Hello everyone, what is going on? I hope that you are doing well. I am trying my best to do the same. It is a bright, sunshining, 28 degree day here in central New York. What is up? It is your girl, Josh, the host in defense of liberation the show that is working towards and educating about true people's liberation and proletarian revolution. So, uh, yeah, what's going on, folks? Hope everyone is having a good week so far, having a good day slash night, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Things are going all right my way. Like I said, I am trying my best to stay uh, upright and vertical, um, as a friend of mine's dad always used to say when you would ask him how he was doing. Thanks, Ron. Um, I hope that, uh, folks have been keeping themselves as sane as is possible throughout the kind of recycling and reproducing and uh, reorienting crises that continue to snowball one after the other. I know I myself have had, um, a couple difficult days, to say the least, uh, where, you know, something like the climate crisis or the pandemic and the probable uh, pandemics to come, the impending uh, global war between the NATO nations and the eastern nations such as Russia, China, Iran, but also the war on socialist and national liberation struggles and nations in Cuba, in Venezuela, in Nicaragua and Bolivia, throughout Africa and Asia, projects and people's movements, uh, revolutionary parties and organizations have at the foot of their doorstep, as do we, a responsibility to not only just take stock of what is in front of us there, but also to understand that the importance of, you know, studying these things, listening and reading about uh, important historical events or geopolitical uh, current events and the different political movements which are taking place, it's not useful for the sake of holding knowledge, you're not going to get anywhere with that, right? At least not in a capitalist society. Unless you're willing to do something with that knowledge. Which is what, you know, I hope that uh, this show and others will push folks to do. Um, Because at the end of the day, again... The only real importance or validity and worthwhile nature of these conversations 
is the use of the knowledge and the ideology and the uh, tactics and strategies to liberate the people from oppression around the world. So today is March 1st, which means it is uh, International uh, Women's Month, right? I can't remember which day in particular is International Women's Day, which is my fault. Um, But this is a holiday that was first celebrated in the Soviet Union, which was developed and conceived by folks like Alexandra Kollontai, uh, among with others who were a part of the People's Commissariat, um, who worked towards the further uh, liberation of not only just people in general, but also people among the working class and oppressed uh, nationalities or uh, among the oppressed sects, uh, who, of course, had further contradictions and complications, which were not something that could be left unaccounted uh, for and uh, without struggle against these uh, continuations of excuse me, past traditions and, uh, habits. (coughs) Um, I bring this up because we have a tendency to study or learn about things in a very eclectic and, um, eccentric way where we're not necessarily learning with a particular objective in mind or with a formulated uh, practice for uh, action. But most often we are taught, especially as school children, that learning is something that you do, for example, to pass a test something that you do out of individual interest um, or something that uh, you give up at the end of college, right? Who needs to read a book anymore? This, of course, I need not, you know, really go into depth as to why it is intentional. But for the sake of, you know, just simply laying the point out, A society such as ours that exists mainly off of the exploitation of not only people here within the domestic North American uh, land known as the United States, but globally, internationally, especially uh, upon the super exploitation of the global south and the third world. Um, So this means that in that case, scientific study Uh, analysis, philosophy, uh, didactical approach to information, the intentionality of learning for the sake of acting or for uh, developing yourself, it is not likely nor practical for this to be taught in such a manner because it would lead to conclusions about the society that these individuals would be raised in that might be 
counterintuitive to the continued exploitation of the world. So, that point about changing, like changing yourself, changing uh, and developing through study, that is where I want to start this discussion because that's something that's been very impactful for me, so I'm going to selfishly talk about me because this is my podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. But no, it's pertinent to the discussion because from a very early age, something that I definitely loved to do was learn. Um, Now, I never really got a, like, I never really got a lot out of it until probably college and after college. Um, But when I was in elementary school and in junior high and right up to 10th grade, because that's when I basically decided to give up on school, um, I was always someone who, especially in history class and especially in English class, uh, to some extent, science and math as well, though it often depended on the subject materials. Um, For example, I was shit at algebra, but I was somewhat decent at trigonometry. I don't know how that makes sense. I also was not very keen with earth science, but biology, I did well. Um, Anyways, uh, I grew up in a house where what you might call secular knowledge was not valued. Um, My family is evangelical Protestants. They adopted me when I was three years old um, and raised me basically three days a week in a church uh, for the sake of saving my soul, right? But what they lost me was, I believe, a real opportunity to fall in love with learning in the way that I have now. And also to use it for a means of motivational uh, development, self-esteem, and also for the sake of understanding the world around me. Because it really wasn't until very recently that I got to a point where I genuinely didn't feel scared about the world. Well, let me rephrase that. It wasn't until recently that I was scared of the world because I didn't understand the world. Now I'm scared of the world because I understand the world. And I'm real glad. Uh, I'm being moderately sarcastic. However, uh, because, you know, I really fell out of the loop with learning, because the majority of the reading materials that were provided to me as a kid were biblical, um, by 10th grade, I broke my ankle. I got pulled out of school for three months um, because my mom is a freak um (laughs) and ended up pulling me out of the majority of the year uh so at that point 
I was at home bedridden for a majority of the time. I I shattered my fucking ankle, I should say. It probably was good that I didn't go to school right away, but it did suck because the school didn't send me any tutors um, except for my English tutor simply because she happened to be a friend of a babysitting client of my mom's because my mom babysat for a lot of the teachers locally. Um, And so for three to six months... I didn't have so much of a formal education, and two things about that. One, it's crazy to me to think that three to six months was so impactful to my want to educate myself, my ability to understand the things I was learning about, but also just the fact that, like, the kids that are in school right now have had at least six to 12 months of disrupted, uh, you know, schooling that they've probably not learned much of anything, if not two to three years. Um, but on top of that, the second thing I wanted to say is just the fact that because you have, uh, oh no, I just spilled all my water. Because you have a capitalist society, right? Where the majority of the world is living under imperialist domination where things like education are not valued as something that the uh, indigenous populations of Africa, Asia, and Latin America need in order to be uh, in the mines, in order to be in the sweatshops, in order to be in the, uh, you know, domestic, uh, positions of household, uh, tending and, and, uh, taking care of, uh, elderly or disabled folks in, uh, essentially an unregulated labor market, uh, it's not necessary that they have a college degree as far as the colonists are concerned, as far as the imperialists are concerned. It's not so much as important that they even so much has the have the ability to read. Um, <clears throat> so you have someone like me, right, who grows up in the imperialist core. I have a formal education from uh, four years up uh, from pre-K all the way through to an associate's degree at a community college uh, without really even at, you know, kind of my uh, teenage years having any interest in it. Um, and then you have, of course, the majority of the world's children and population, which go without a formal education for their entire lives. And that is just the way things work. That is just how society is run. And we go on not even learning about that in the country that is caught, or in one of the countries which has caused this reality to become true. That, of course, is necessary, as I mentioned before, because it's not like the colonists are going to be like, yeah, so basically, like, what we've been doing is we've been, like, murdering and raping and pillaging the, like, majority of the world's population that, like, isn't what we consider white or civilized uh, for, like, 500 
500 to 600 years yeah yeah okay 500 600 years and um well uh in that process of course we have uh absolutely miseducated if not completely uneducated the population and stolen all of their resources their labor force and their political parties and uh, economic systems as well as uh, confused and taken advantage of their religious uh, traditions if not outright eradicated them and replaced them with our own um, yeah that's uh, that's me uh, that's obviously not going to be like what bring your dad to work day is for kids who have a CIA dad or a military dad. Uh, but that's the way that the world works. That's what people are doing. Um, that's what folks are employed to do by the state and also doing, um, doing without necessarily getting the approval of the state. Shout out the, uh, kind of, uh, underworld of intelligence agencies and uh, militias and fascist groups. Any whom. Uh, we started this conversation on International Women's Month, International Women's Day, and the importance of understanding and studying things for the sake of action and for the sake of having a uh, full-fledged comprehension. Uh, this, of course, is important in the context of something like international working women's day uh because in the period of which when this holiday this international celebration was established within the first ever socialist uh nation the first ever successful revolutionary proletarian project what it did was establish as one of the first like national holidays the importance of lifting up and struggling alongside women because women whether folks know it or not always are playing a very important and key role in every revolution in every organization in every struggle let me tell you why first and foremost who's feeding and taking care of the children while you're out doing whatever you're doing who exactly raised you now there's people who might not have their mother they might have a grandmother they might have had someone else's mother they might have had a motherly figure in their life <coughs> excuse me <coughs> and this is not to say that fathers or uh non-binary folks cannot provide the same type of uh nurturing or cannot be parental and, and, and compassionate caretaking figures. My point is, who births everyone? Who gives birth to everyone? It, you come from someone, right? Um, and women, right? And especially today, as we've come to comprehend and, and uh, analyze further as a society this question of gender, of sex, um, to speak on issues of uh, being trans or being non-binary. These things now are extremely, extremely crucial to complementing but also 
working alongside with, for their own separate liberation, the women's struggle. Because as we come to understand more and more that the struggle for liberation must be a class struggle, we need not separate nor divide ourselves from any revolutionary or liberatory forces. So in the case of, for example, the uh, revocation of Roe v. Wade uh, here in the United States, I heard a lot of people who spoke about the fact that this was particularly a women's issue and that it was not necessary that we speak also in this case of trans rights or of rights for non-binary, non-gender inclusive folks who also are negatively affected by the reality that comes along with a post-Roe United States. But also, in the United States, we know that Roe v. Wade and things like this were not adequately supporting uh, not only just women in general, but especially black women, especially indigenous women, especially immigrant women, especially trans women, and folks who have to deal with this reality. And so, in my opinion, it was a mistake, a false move, uh, to separate women from other revolutionary forces among the people who ultimately have a shared struggle in reproductive justice and equality for all sexes and genders, um, real equality in material power. And that's what another important part of understanding International Working Women's Day is as well, is uh, the fact that in Soviet Russia, in the Soviet Union, the different Union uh, Soviet Socialist Republics, there was a historical precedent for the outright subjugation of the female sex of women, of anyone who did not identify as a man, um, within religion, within politics, within social relations, within the economy. And so to say at the point which they did, which I believe was 1918, that women, right, are one of the most important central figures in any revolutionary struggle um, was so ahead of the time. I mean, you got to figure it wasn't 1920 until women were even allowed to vote in the United States and mostly just wealthy white women. Um, And yet two years prior to that, it was... Soviet women, it was revolutionary women who took power into their hands in Petrograd at the arms manufacturing plants. They went out on strike. They fought the gendarmes. They fought the police. They fought the military with guns in their hands. And they declared, along with the Soviet men, a Soviet Socialist Republic of Russia of the Soviet Socialist Republic Union of the nations 
which formerly were oppressed by a czarist autocracy and were able to establish not only a socialized society where the economy and political structure was in the hands of people themselves, including women, but they went on to establish a national holiday to say, we hold up more than half the sky. Women are the revolutionary central figures in almost, if not every struggle across history. This is the understanding that comes with deep historical analysis and with study for the purpose of action, because what do we do with this? What? Okay, so the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. And we have International Women's Day. And I'm sure at my community college there will be pictures up of Kamala Harris <coughs> right next to uh, Sojourner Truth, right next to um, Hillary Clinton. I'm sure of it. I'm seeing them now because they were up last year. It was just Black History Month and we had pictures of Kamala Harris right next to, uh, um, oh wow, Underground Railroad. Come on now. Jesus Christ. Why the fuck can't I think right now? Anyways, you know who I'm talking about. I'm sure. The, anyways, uh, Harriet Tubman. Jesus Christ. Um... Yeah, so we know that this is what the fuck they do. They killed women, children in the Soviet Union through 10 plus years of war and sanctions. And they allowed Soviet women and children to die at the hands of fascism for five years before even including in any of their policies the notion that they might intervene in the global war against fascism. As 27 million people plus in the Soviet Union died at the end of World War II, what was done for the women and the children of the Soviet Union? What was done for the women and children in China after their revolution? What was done for the women and children in Vietnam and in Korea after the bombing campaigns that turned them to rubble? What's been done for the women and children in Afghanistan, in Iran, in Iraq, in Libya? What's been done for the women in Ethiopia and in Nigeria and in South Africa? Death, that's what's been done. That's what's been done to them And that's what's done for them. The massacre of women and children around the world by the the, either the weapons manufactured by the United States or by the United States itself automatically negates any and all ability for them to claim uh, equality for women. Because if one, one group of women are oppressed anywhere, women are not free everywhere. And if women are oppressed, if trans people are oppressed, if gender non-inclusive people are oppressed, if children and disabled people are oppressed, none of us can be free. We must come to a conclusive 
actionable decision about what liberation for women and for trans folks and for LGBTQ people and for black people and for indigenous peoples and for Asian people and Chicano people and Mexican people and put that shit into action. What I mean is that through a collective organizing effort of the people who they themselves are oppressed and suffering under these conditions come together in either a social movement, in a political party or organization, in multiple parties, through the unity, through a coalition effort or something of the sort, it is important that First and foremost, oppressed people themselves are leading their own revolution, their own national liberation struggle, but not just simply oppressed people. Oppressed people who have a revolutionary character, who have a uh, progressive, uh, humanistic character, who in fact seek the full uh, liberation of all, not simply their own benefits by a sham independence or by selling the soul of the nation off to the highest bidder. Um, What is necessary is a revolutionary uh, struggle take place where the most conscious, most responsible, most uh, uh, compassionate, most revolutionary individuals and organizations through actual praxis, through like actually doing shit, not just saying shit, come to the necessary conclusion to work together in order to achieve their goals. Now that goes for, you know, African peoples, Chicanos, for Mexicans, for Puerto Ricans, for Vatans, for folks in uh, Canada, for folks in uh, Central and South America, right, Uh, and for people around the world, because our struggle, first and foremost, must be comprehended as an international one that has domestic tactics and domestic possibilities, but which ultimately can only fully and entirely succeed through international ties and continuous struggle uh, along a historical plane that probably many of us will not see the end of. Um, Because that is what a revolution is, that is what socialism is, that is what national liberation is. It's a process by which people who they themselves have suffered this oppression take the power and control of society, of the modes of production, of the productive forces, of the political apparatus, of the social structures and social relations, of the religious institutions, educational institutions, of policing and military, and change the character of each and every one of these parts of the old society, either by eliminating it entirely or by revolutionizing it through the participation of the oppressed and revolutionary people themselves. This is the most crucial part to understanding why something like study is important. Because if we were to look at someone like Helen Keller or someone like um, Kamala Harris or someone like Hillary Clinton, that is not what they are seeking out. They are not seeking out the full liberation 
Uh, well, Helen Keller, actually, I'm pretty sure, was a socialist. Let's take her off the list. Kamala Harris, Hillary Clinton, these types of folks, right? The uh, Beyonce's and uh, all the different um, bourgeois, petty bourgeois, ruling class, elite uh, folks who are portrayed as being uh, symbols of liberation and of celebration for the oppressed people, group, nation, ethnicity, or uh, sex and gender that they belong to. Um, this is, of course, a sham. This is to co-opt the revolutionary energy of the people, which is necessary for liberation. Uh, this is also, uh, more than anything, one of the most embarrassing things that like the imperialists can do because... Um, what exactly has Kamala Harris done for black women? What exactly has Hillary Clinton done for women? What exactly has Beyonce done for women? To be, again, a member of an oppressed class is not to be a revolutionary, is not to be progressive, and is not to be a symbol of celebration or celebrity. So it's also embarrassing because when people come to understand figures like uh, Claudia Jones or um, figures like, uh, um, oh, geez, again, with the names. I don't know why I always turn to names when I cannot remember names. Um, Jesus. Wow. All right. Well, anyways, someone like Patricia Rodney, right? Walter Rodney's uh, widow. Um, Someone like uh, the many revolutionary women who took part in the struggle for Chinese liberation, um, for Vietnamese liberation and socialism in China and Vietnam, the many women that uh, struggle for socialism today in Cuba and who took part in the guerrilla struggle or took part in the urban organization of cadre and of uh, weaponry and of funds to go to the Sierra Maestra. Um, If it weren't for folks like Alexandra Kalantai or Clara Zetkin or plenty of other Soviet communist socialist women um, around the world, then we wouldn't have, I believe, a successful revolution anywhere. Um, and it's also important for the sake of study because we come to understand that it's not enough to just know people did things. It's not enough to know a historical event occurred. It's not enough to celebrate a holiday. It's not enough to uh, celebrate individuals. The importance of something like an International Women's Month or Day, something like Black History Month or African Liberation Day, uh, something like... uh, A revolutionary holiday is important because it motivates us through education and through further motivational tools like uh, um, 
bringing people together in a collective space to share in a positive experience. This is something that is, I believe, very revolutionary for a lot of us. Very few of us get that experience. So in wrapping up on this, I think that for me, uh, the importance of study is that when one goes to change the world or to change themselves, it is far more useful to have a path, a guiding principle, or a map of sorts to line out and chart your way and to come to a much more educated, not to say from a particular institution, but rather through scientific study and empirical data that one gets through living life in order to actually change and become anew. Now, we are only human beings. We will never be perfect. There's no such thing as purity. Um, And so to say that because you are a Marxist or because you are a communist or because you are an anarchist or because you are a socialist, that you are a good person, that you are compassionate, that you are a safe person, none of these things need be necessarily assumed. But folks can prove themselves to be truly revolutionary characters, truly communists, truly socialists, through the mass appreciation of the people and through the organizational attempts to liberate oppressed people here and around the world, which align with reality, of course, again, something that study helps us to understand. Finally, I will say that the importance of talking about something like International Working Women's Day is crucial because in the United States, again, we have a liberal co-optation of this history and of this uh, holiday, which is not leading women to organize themselves to fight against patriarchy. It is not leading women to learn about socialism, to learn about communism. It is not pushing women to understand the ways in which their struggle is shared with the struggle of trans folks, of LGBTQ plus people generally. It does not teach women how black women, indigenous women, Mexican women, Puerto Rican women have differences and similarities which complement and support but also contradict one another and need to be struggled with and struggled against. Things like racism need to be struggled against. Things like ableism need to be struggled against. Things like classism need to be struggled against. And the holiday which we celebrate here in the United States that's called, I believe, just Women's Day, International Women's Day, is not something that is actually pushing women in the domestic United States towards revolution. And that should be enough for those of us who are listening to this program to say, 
that we must do our best to not only spread awareness of International Working Women's Day and the history behind it, the Soviet Revolution, Alexandra Kollontai and her impact on that revolution, but also we have to understand that today women, trans people, black folks, indigenous peoples, Chicanos, disabled folks, all have a struggle which has not succeeded, which has not been successful, has not finalized, not only domestically, but internationally. And so it is our duty today and every day to fight for that liberation, to fight for that revolution. Uh, Otherwise, we have failed not only ourselves, but our comrades and those who we uh, claim to want to help. But anyways, folks, it's been real. Always uh, nice talking to you. Looking forward to hearing what folks have to say about this episode and others that have been posted recently. Please check out my website, defenseofliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. And also find me on Instagram, in defense of liberation, and Twitter, redstarbitch420. Peace.